and welcome to the Lawn Care Radio Network. I'm Brian Horn. I'm on the phone with Deanna Grundine. Uh, Deanna owns Trio Landscaping in Minnesota. Uh, Deanna, how are you doing today? We're doing good. I, I called you today uh, to, to talk about subcontractors, uh, and from what I understand, you only work with subcontractors, correct? That is correct. I'm a design-focused landscape company, and I use subcontractors then to provide all of the installation aspects to my business. Can you go into detail a little bit about how that works for you? How, first of all, how you got started in that, doing it that way and, and how it works for you uh, today? Well, I got my start in landscaping in general working for some other companies. And the companies I worked for had their own in-house installation teams, which was great. But it also limited the amount of work that they could do. And so you tend to specialize and only design to those standards. And as I continued to grow up in the industry and kind of see what was going on, I decided I wanted to go out on my own. To do so would require that I would need a lot of equipment and I would need employees. And those weren't things that I was quite ready to take on. I really just wanted to fulfill my design aspects. I had a few other contractors that I was friends with, and they were looking for people to sell work for them to install because they loved driving their bobcat and doing it that way. So we became more of a partnership type, separate companies, but more of a partnership as for how we work, and it's been working out really well. Now, what type of services do you uh, provide and, and have subcontractors do for you? Well, my services for my company, Trio Landscaping, I do consultation, design, and project management for residential-based companies here in our metro area. So I look to meet with clients that need ideas, whether they want to do the work on their own or not. And then I can provide the design services for that, even if they want to do it on their own, or then I supplement that with having the project management aspect for my subcontractors or my team to be able to do the installations to follow through on those projects. I find it really helps for those clients to not feel pressured to do the installations because they could do the work themselves. Most of our projects, though, they realize that the installation is going to be a bit over their head. And so it's really mm -hmm. nice knowing that I have a team to go to to make that happen. Now, do they wear trio landscaping uniforms and everything? To work on my job, uh, they do. All my subcontractors have their own trucks. They have their own things that are going on. I do have lovely magnets that say installation specialist for TRIO that typically go on their truck. It is my okay. sign that's out in the project as we're installing it. And it's all my contracts, all of my interaction that's with the client for the most part, other than what you would normally have just a standard form and do with the client as well. So do they wear my t-shirt when it's available? Absolutely. I have crews out there with our t-shirts on instead of them promoting their own company. And we have contracts written up to make sure that they understand where those clear lines are. That mm -hmm. any work that, you know, you get that neighbor that wants to come over and say, hey, we really love what you're doing. Can you help me out? Those are my leads. Those are not the installation team's leads because it's my project that brought them out there. Things like that. So we try it. We have a nice contract that makes sure that everybody understands what can and can't happen. Okay, so there is a signed contract. It's not like... I mean, because you have to have a, a, a good amount of trust that they are passing these leads on to you, correct? Absolutely. I don't let anyone be my installation specialist or my subcontractor. It has to be somebody that I've sat down, I've vetted with, to 
specifically, they've come to me on a referral basis as well through other people, or I've met them and known them quite a while within the industry as well. So I don't use just anyone. They have to meet my standards. And to be very honest, compared to a good majority of the different installers that are out there, I tend to be a bit more of a perfectionist. <laughs> so I want to make okay. sure I'm working with really, really good people because in the, at the end of the day, it is my name that is on the line. Right. And even for repair work, anything like that, I'm the one that's going to make sure that it gets done. Now, if I bring back my subcontractor to fix it up, or if I find that they messed up in a way that they can't fix and I have to bring somebody else in, that's on me. How often does that happen? To be very honest, not a lot. Most okay. of the time, if there's something that needed service work on it, it is something that is I get a warranty from my installers as well. That's part of our contract, but they have to provide that. Again, I don't have the big equipment to fix a lot of things, and they need to do quality work. But um, mm -hmm. for the most part, they go out and they do all of their own fixes when and if it needs to be done. Again, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, and so most of the time I'm fixing up previous landscape installation stuff when I meet with a client, not our own thing. Oh, okay. Now, what kind of challenges do you run into working with uh, subcontractors co compared to maybe working with uh, in-house people? Well, if they were in-house, then their employees and the crew are directly responsible to your own company. Where as a subcontractor, I'm not in charge of those employees. So I have lines that are drawn between how I'm working with them as well as far as reprimanding them on certain qualities of work. I have to go more through the food chain. I reply mm -hmm. back to my subcontractor. He gets to reply back to his foreman. The foreman then gets to take it to the, the crew person. On occasion, depending on, again, the crew that's out there and what it is, I can, on more of a friendly term, let somebody know, right. hey, this isn't the way that we're doing things. but. I certainly know that there can be those lines that are drawn, so I have less control over that. I have less control over who is out on the job site as far as employees, how many people show up on the job each day. And the biggest part is that I'm not completely in control of my schedule because my subcontractors are their own independent company. They have other mm -hmm. work that they're doing, but that can certainly affect my schedule as well. So I have to work very closely in concert with them to make sure that things can happen properly. And to make sure you're not double booking and, and they can be on the job for the time they need to be on the job, things like that? Exactly, exactly. Now, do you work uh, exclusively with your subcontractors or are they free to work with other, uh, other designers? They actually are, because they are their own company, if they were to work exclusively for me, that would be more like they're my employee. And so that doesn't work very well. There's, I'm sure, some law and statute saying that if I were to limit their work, then they have to be my employee. Because I've looked right. into some of that, but I don't know all the rules on that. And I just said, oh, well, good thing that we don't. Um, so yes, they are allowed to work with other designers. They're allowed to install their own projects that they've brought in-house. They're not married to me. It's not monogamous. OK. And, and that's the way it sounds like you, you like it that way because you want that sort of, you don't want to be locked in the subcontractors just like they might not want to be locked into you for a certain amount of time. Correct. I don't have just one subcontractor that does my installations. I have a handful of different subcontractors. Number one, 
it allows me to move around my metro area a little bit better. Because we, you can go from one end of the metro to the other end of the metro, and it can be an hour drive. Not everybody wants to work both ends of town. I find mm -hmm. it kind of fun to work with clients on both ends of town. So I do work with different contractors that can take up different areas. Not to say that I don't stretch, stretch their limits a little bit every now and then mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, though, by working with different subcontractors, I'll know their specialties. Some people are really good at doing a certain type of product, and I can then sell to those strengths for those certain clients as well, versus knowing that that would be the only thing I could sell if that was my in-house team. I can take it outside the box a bit more. On one particular project, I had eight different contractors need to come in to make sure that the job hmm. could go according to plan. One of them was a deck builder, one of them was a landscape team, another one was uh, the different specialty trades that come into that for the electrical, the gas, things. Uh, then we also had a railing specialist come in there, we had a lighting tech come in there, and, if you, oh, and then the tree arborist that was in there as well, so I think I hit on all of those. But many, wow. many different things. If you were to try to have all of that in-house, to have yeah. everybody be really good at what they're at, you have to be a much larger company to do so, to be able to have really good people, or you have a watered-down version of all those different trades, and you're not really good at anything. So I'd much mm -hmm. rather bring in people that tend to have that as a specialty to be really good. Well, now, how does that work? You say you sell a project, um, you meet with the homeowner, or um, and, and they, they say they want this and that, and you sell it to them. Do, then you, do you then sort of think of which subcontractor contractor would be best, or do you throw the work out to all the guys you work with and then take bids? I, to be very honest, it goes both ways. It depends on the project. There's some of them I'm designing specifically to a contractor's strengths. Then there's other ones that I know that I have a couple of people that could do it, and I will take bids on the project to make sure that I'm staying as competitive as I can within it mm -hmm. and to work with as many schedules as best as we can to achieve the client's needs. So it that is, really is all that is work true, yeah. project dependent. Because that's like you were saying, you need to work around the calendar, and if this project has to be done when the crew has other jobs to do, they're sort of out of luck. Yep, yep. And okay. this, this time of year in particular, here at the beginning of spring, this is the hardest time. Because our crews, are, our crews being all my subcontractors, they're just starting to be able to get out into the field to do those installations. And we don't quite know where that calendar is at yet, depending on how Mother Nature gives us more rain days and how the frost continues to come out of the ground, load restrictions that are on for certain clients but not for others. And so this, this particular month tends to be a bit more challenging to get that schedule nailed down a bit. How many sub, uh, did you say you work with subcontractors? Um, well, I've worked with a number of them depending on some of the other specialty trades, but just for landscape people, right now I believe I have five that I can uh, promote work to. And then what's the longest relationship you've had with a subcontractor? Well, uh, I know one of the teams, I have known them since I was up and coming in the industry and just learning things, so about 17, 18 years ago. And have to admit that some of the most stuff that I learn, I learn back from my contractors as well. Many of the other relationships, some of them are as new as two years. 
most of my guys, my uh, couple of favorite teams that I've been working with now, I had been working with them before I started my own company as well. And so we have longer term relationships with them. Uh, one guy I've known for eight years, the other guy I've known for about five or six years. Okay. What advice would you have for a landscaper who works as a sub? What can they do to make your life easier? Uh, be consistent in quality and expectations when you're on a job site. By being consistent, that means I'll know more of what I can sell to and can promise to the client on that behalf, so that way we are going to follow through with what we say. Where if you do a job one way on a project and then you're going to change it up to this other one just because there's no real reason for it, if I've now made promises to the client, oh yeah, we're going to come in, we're going to use this type of machine, we're going to not have to damage a ton of your sod or this or this and that, and then you decide, no, you're going to have this new guy just drive Bobcat all over the yard and we make a big mess, I look like a fool. And then we didn't bid the job right, most likely then as well, and there's going to be a lot of other hidden costs in there that I'm not going to be willing to eat because that's not how we typically do work. All of a sudden you got crazy. So then nobody ends up being very happy. Homeowner, Diana, subcontractor, everybody gets to be a little bit more frantic. So the best thing that you can do is to be consistent with what you can deliver in how you do your work, the quality of work that you do, and the quality that you work it. What is your on-site presence? How do you show up with all of your vehicles? Do you start at a certain time of day? Or do you just happen to get there whenever you felt like getting up that morning? Things like that can be very, very intentional for how it's going to look with the professionalism of our industry. And that's something that I look for as well. Uh, other things on the, on the other end of it is just know your pricing. You have to really know how efficiently that your crews can work so we can know if a certain pricing structure is going to work for the project so that way we can work ahead. So bidding things and being accurate with that is very, very important as well. Perfect. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of good advice. I think a lot of our listeners and, and readers of our magazine will be able to take that into account next time they're, they're working with a, a designer only. Um, Deanna, that's a perfect place to wrap up. I want to thank you for your time today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I hope that the way that I choose to run my business has maybe inspired some other people to change or grow their business in a new direction, but I also understand that my way of doing things might not work for everybody as well. So thanks so much for having me and allowing me to share. Absolutely. Thanks for your time.